the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's time for the Your Personal Bank Show with Ferenc Toth. In an era of chaos, confusion, and craziness, Ferenc is a voice for common sense. As a financial literacy educator, speaker, and entrepreneur, Ferenc cuts through the noise to help us understand how current events affect our money, economy, and our freedom. Now, here's Ferenc Toth. Welcome to the Your Personal Bank Show. This is Ferenc. Recently, the Federal Reserve has come out and alluded to the fact that they plan to reduce interest rates by three quarters of a point by the end of 2024. The primary reason behind that, of course, is they're stating that inflation or the rate of growth of inflation is slowing down, which it certainly is. And they believe that by this time next year, they will be at a the 2% target rate or close to that. One from no less than Warren Buffett himself, his major stock moves are, are actually setting off alarm bells within the investing community. And what he's doing, of course, is he has been selling a lot of stock in the first three quarters of 2023, over $28 billion worth. Warren Buffett is known as probably the best investor in the history of the stock market. And whenever Warren Buffett makes big moves, it gets attention, and rightly so. Warren does something. He's one of the greatest investors of all time. You better pay attention. And as he pointed out, the behavior of the Federal Reserve is the most probable cause for Warren Buffett's pessimism. The key point, and this is something I haven't seen or heard anywhere else, is that the U.S. money supply has contracted by 3.3% since July of 2022. Now, this is extremely important to understand because a contraction of the money supply, which means there's less dollars, there's less currency flowing because the Federal Reserve is buying back assets. It's known as quantitative tightening. Again, the Federal Reserve is selling assets. They were doing quantitative easing for most of the previous decade, which means they were buying assets, putting more liquidity, more into the system, more currency into the system, cheap monetary policy, easy monetary policy, low interest rates, all those kinds of things. Well, they're doing the opposite. The website is fred.stlewisfed.org. So it's fred.stlewisfed.org. You can search by something called total assets. The Federal Reserve reports each week on how much total assets they own. And if you look at the charts, of course, they hit a all-time high of around $9 trillion in assets, which is a stupendous amount of money that they purchased. And the, much of the purchasing, of course, happened starting in 08, actually, and then continued 2020, the COVID shutdown, so they purchased a ton more. And then the most recent time frame was early 2023 when the banks started failing. We started having those bank failures. The Fed bought a half a trillion dollars of assets in about two weeks. Again, inject liquidity money into the system. But since March of 2023, the Fed has been steadily selling assets or quantitative tightening, which, as this article discusses, it's a reduction of the monetary supply or a monetary contraction. Well, here's why this is so important, and I'm going to discuss this further as we go on the show, so I'm going to really encourage you to stay tuned. This monetary contraction has only occurred four times in U.S. history. The last times it occurred was in 1920 and 21, and then, of course, we know about 1929 to 33. There was another period of 1937 and 38, also part of the Great Depression, and the fourth time was 1948 and 49. Now, each time that there was a monetary contraction, a reduction in the money supply, each was followed by a severe recession. Warren Buffett is just following history. It's really quite simple. He's looking at even though interest rates may go down a little bit in the next year, as the Federal Reserve is stating, that isn't the only factor that's going to offset a recession. In fact, a recession would 
increase the likelihood of interest rate reduction because inflation would be reduced because demand would be reduced because of a recession. The key points that people need to be more concerned about in a recession, of course, is stock prices and things like that typically are going to go down in a recession. So the fact that Warren Buffett has been selling stocks so significantly this year and some of the statements that he's made, he's been, for most of his career, he's one of the most optimistic investors out there, but he's been very pessimistic in their recent time frames. And again, the one of the big reasons is this contraction of the money supply. This is a really, really big deal. You really want to proceed with caution. The other fact about if you want to watch Warren Buffett's history, he tends to be a little bit ahead of the curve. He tends to figure these things out a little bit before most everyone else does. Another reason why he's considered one of the best investors in history. He believes that there is a recession on the horizon in the near future. That is why he's acting the way he is. Now, there's some other factors that are coming to play. A lot of people are asking, why is the market still going up? Because if you look at the, the economy and a lot of things about it, it doesn't make a lot of sense. But until you and dive in further, it starts to make more sense. On one hand, we have the Federal Reserve selling assets, quantitative tightening, reducing the money supply, which every other time this has ever happened, over the last century, we've seen a severe recession. And Warren Buffett is following that historical example. The question again is, why are stocks continuing to go up? Well, what interestingly is happening behind the scenes, and again, this is something I have not seen hardly anywhere, is while the Fed is, yes, indeed, selling assets and reducing their balance sheet, what they're doing since the beginning of this year is providing more liquidity to banks and it really started in March of this year, provided a access window for banks to shore their balance sheets to make sure the banking industry didn't fail. We had three major banks, Silicon Valley Bank, I believe, being the first of those, failing and the Federal Reserve stepping in to prevent that from cascading to many more banks. The Fed has withdrawn about a trillion dollars, or I should say in the past year, has sold about a trillion dollars of assets. That's significant. That's quantitative tightening, like I discussed earlier, with the reduction of the money supply. But at the same time, they've increased the amount of reserves, monies available for banks, by about half that, or about $500 billion. So in other words, there's a lot of banks out there that have more cash than ever because of the Federal Reserve providing this liquidity to them. And understand, many of these large banks are big investors in the stock market. They're big buyers in this. And so Wall Street has taken notice of this. And so this extra liquidity that the Federal Reserve has been providing to banks, a lot of that has gone into the markets. How long will that continue? That's really hard to say. And that's unfortunately far more difficult to track unless you know somebody in the banking industry I have a little bit of uh, inside knowledge on that because of some contacts I have in the banking industry, and being a former bank uh, chairman of the board of a bank. Unless you have that type of connection, it's going to be really hard to find that. It's not like public knowledge. Again, the effect is, the net, the net effect is, interestingly, yes, the Fed is reselling re their assets, but again, providing it to banks, which then they're indirectly, indirectly, being big buyers of, of stocks and such and securities and et cetera. That's been a big part of what's really buoyed the markets in 2023. The other part of it was, and I've stated this in previous shows, and by the way, if you missed it, go to yourpersonalbank.com. You can listen to this or any of the previously recorded shows. But one of the big reasons why the markets have been buoyed so much is corporate profits have been up largely because there were still a lot of COVID relief funds that were in consumers' pockets, savings, whatever. They, they received PPP funds from their businesses or, or whatever. They made extra monies. They still had saved from the federal government helicoptering trillions of dollars into the system. That is quickly running out, and the consumer is getting under some real budget-constraining situation. So that, of course, has driven the markets because the American's consumer this past year has been the lone bright spot, frankly, in the economy. Uh, they're two-thirds of GDP. 
They have been buying, purchasing a lot, and some of the reasons are, again, they had extra savings still left over. And secondly, because when they saw the high inflation that really particularly hit last summer, if you were looking to purchase an item, particularly a, a bigger ticket item, that's let's say, you pretty much understood that if you waited, waited to purchase that, it was probably going to be higher in the future because of inflation. So a lot of people purchased items maybe a little sooner than they would have because they understood the cost was going to go up in the future. So there was a lot of extra buying that happened, and all this extra buying, of course, helped corporate profits, which made the numbers look good, which put corp, you know, corporate profits pushes stock prices up in general. So there was that effect. That effect is running out. This, all the statistics show that. Consumer purchasing has definitely started to decline. Walmart and many other companies have come out and stated this type of stuff. The other factor that shows economic challenges ahead is GO or general output. That has been down, flat or down, and the manufacturing side of things have been down now for quite a bit of time, like 8 9% in fact. So those are leading economic indicators that gen- generally le- show us in recession is, is ahead of us. So I don't think we're out of the woods yet. And I know a lot of people are looking at, well, the Federal Reserve is lower, looking to lower rates this next year. That's great news. That's positive to a degree, but I don't, we're not out of the woods yet because if they lower it by three-quarters of a point, let's say, it's still within the normal range. You've heard the phrase higher for longer. Interest rates are going to stay higher for longer. Realistically, going back to the really low interest rate environment we were in for the previous decade, Notice we're not going to see 30-year, 3% fixed mortgages likely any time in our lifetime. Uh, frankly, that was like a once-in-a-generational type of event, and it's highly unlikely we're going to see something like that again, slightly above average, historical average interest rates. And if we go back a little bit, we'll be right in that typical average, historical average of interest rates. Now, that bodes very, very well for things like fixed interest accounts, bonds, dividends, your personal bank. We already have CEOs writing letters stating that dividends are going to be going up. All of these things are very favorable for the personal bank and the higher dividends going forward, which I'll share more about that in the next segment. But it's not quite so favorable for stocks and real estate, things like that, that have seen historical asset gains in the last decade. Charlie Munger, Warren Buffett's partner, famously stated, get used to making less. So these are things we need to address. Again, we're not out of the woods. We need to look at going forward. And these are going to be important to navigate. And your personal bank can help you do that. I encourage you to contact me if you want to learn how to thrive in this economic environment that has changed so substantially. Stay tuned in the next segment because I've got a lot more information to share that you're going to find, I'm sure, very beneficial. Stay tuned for more Common Sense from Ferens. For more information, contact Ferens at 866-268-4422 or yourpersonalbank.com. That's 866-268-4422. Welcome back to the Your Personal Bank Show with Ferentz Toth. Want more information? Contact Ferentz at 866-268-4422 or yourpersonalbank.com. That's 866-268-4422. Now back to the show with Ferentz Toth. Welcome back to the Your Personal Bank Show. This is Ferentz. And another factor, as I was sharing in the first segment, the higher for longer, the interest rate environment where we're going to see higher interest rates than we've seen in the past decade, certainly, Another factor of that, the classic 60-40 portfolio, at least Vanguard is stating, uh, is back. And not only that, it says bonds are expected to shine for the foreseeable future. And the reason behind it, again, is quite simple. Bonds are highly interest rate sensitive, and they were really suffered. Bonds suffer with that really low interest rate environment. So a lot of people in the industry and Wall Street were saying, that the 60-40 portfolio is dead, and then it's alive and well, and, you know, that kind of thing. Well, it appears to be back for the long haul, as, as Vanguard states. Again, this is very positive for anybody who's looking at the personal bank situation or looking at dividends or bond returns or fixed interest returns. The most obvious example most people have immediately seen is uh, the interest rate you earn in the bank is far higher than it was a year or two ago. 
I mean, it wasn't that long ago you couldn't find a 1% return in a bank investment, a CD or anything for that matter. Now they're in 4 4% plus. That is a, that's a quadrupling increase. You're seeing the same thing with bonds being double, double or more returns. And, again, insurance companies invest heavily in these, and you can get higher dividends. And that we'll see higher dividends very likely, like they're stating here, Vanguard is stating, for the next 5 to 10-year time frame. And that's one of the things I've been sharing with my clients is, hey, we couldn't be in a better, better position with the personal bank dividends than we are right now because of the interest rate environment and the higher for longer than it's been for sure before, even if, again, it goes back a little bit, still higher than it was before, which means the returns, the profits, it's more profitable. The dividends or profits of the company, it's higher. And if you want an insured, guaranteed, and tax-free return that's increasing for the next five to 10 years, according to Vanguard, it certainly is worth looking into. Again, my other issue, I've been stating this repeatedly, the other big risk that I see in the horizon is taxes. There's going to be a lot of pressure on the federal government to raise taxes, especially as the interest on the debt continues to increase. We'll talk about that a little bit further. They're going to have to raise more revenues. Now, I'm not saying raising taxes is a great idea to raise revenues, but there's certainly going to be a lot of pressure to do so politically because they're going to have to raise revenues. A tax-free investment, they can double the, the tax rates. Two times zero is still zero. So to have a strategy to protect a portion of your money, a portion of your portfolio from future tax risk, I believe is going to be, become vitally important, even more so than maybe returns. Obviously, as I've been stating, higher for longer interest rates means higher dividends for longer, according to Vanguard themselves likely for the next five to 10 years. We expect increasing dividends for the next five to 10 years. Would you want to see your money in an increasing return asset for the next five to 10 years or not? You want something that has guarantees so you can reduce some of your market risk, so you can shield, protect some of that money from that risk and see an increasing return on your money over time. Also, shield it from that potential future tax risk the increasing of the taxes that are very likely, again, a lot of pressure. Here's the, here's the facts. I stated this to a, a new client literally today, and the question I asked was simple. Can you tell me what the tax rates are going to be five years from now or 10 years from now? And the answer is, of course, no. It's impossible to predict the future. No one knows. The likelihood, of course, with the federal debt is higher. Therefore, Protecting yourself from that, at least a portion of your money, creating a tax-free bucket of money just makes logical sense. If nothing else, it gives you options. If you have a taxable bucket, whether it's IRAs, 401ks, those type of investments, qualified plans or not, or it's just a typical account where you know, the gains are taxable, versus having a bucket of money where it's com- completely and totally income tax-free, well, you have options now, don't you? And you can choose, let's say, to supplement retirement, you can choose which bucket to a degree how much you can pull from each bucket. Having options is the key. I always believe having more options is always better. American Dream, as this article has pointed out, there's five things that the cost just are getting out of reach for many people. And the first one of those, of course, is home ownership. And it's really sad because that's been a cornerstone of the middle class dream for decades. But again, as we all know, housing prices have skyrocketed way beyond, outpacing way beyond income growth and is now beyond the reach of a typical middle-class family. Higher education is another one of those things that has become so cost-prohibitive that many families have not or will not be able to afford. Healthcare is also becoming more and more of an issue because insurance costs have gone way up. Retirement savings the amount of, I can say this firsthand, the number of people who have uh, adequate retirement savings is definitely dwindling from when I started 25 years ago. I've seen a steady reduction in that. And particularly in the last few years, it's accelerated. Uh, Leisure time, vacations, things like that are becoming harder and harder to pay for. So these are things that the middle class, which has traditionally been seen as the backbone of the economy, is really struggling the American dream is really under attack. It's really um, it's on life support, if you will, 
for many people. This can be, these things can be addre- addressed. These things can be fixed. I mean, financial literacy is one of those things. There's political things that can need to be done. There's financial things that need to be done on a government basis. But there are also things that an individual can do. Financial literacy is, is one of those. Typically working with somebody like myself is going to enhance the returns and ideas and maybe some things that you not, had not thought about. Your personal bank reducing taxes certainly has a major impact for people. Creating positive arbitrage, that's one of those things where, as we've stated all this so many times, your personal bank is not that complicated. And I share it all the time, and I can do it here in like a minute. We literally set up a high cash value policy to grow, earn dividends. We want to grow our money. It's not like the type, typical policy that most people think of where you know, want a death benefit protection, the least amount of money to get the biggest death benefit. It's the opposite of that. We want to maximize the cash. We want to maximize our returns. And as I stated in the last segment or earlier, Vanguard is stating they predict interest rates going to be going up or, or bonds and returns being on an increasing incline for the next five to ten years. And that means dividends will be increasing for the next five to ten years. So not only is your money going to grow, but it's probably going to grow at an increasing rate over the next five to ten years. That's great news. Insured, with guarantees, tax-free. So your money's growing and growing safely. Here's the other last thing about that. Tax-free is a big deal. If you take the average American, say, getting charged around 25% tax bracket with federal and state, a 6% dividend, for example, for that person means you need an investment that's going to earn about 8% before tax to be equivalent. An 8% return today is not the most common thing out there. Let's face it. Let's be real. And that's just to break even to a 6% tax-free return. Again, something that is increasing in future years, most likely the next 5 to 10 years, according to Vanguard. So my point is this is a significant return on your money. If you just wanted to let it sit there and grow and go, you don't have to worry about it. You don't have to fret about it. You know, it's guaranteed. It's tax-free, all that fun stuff. That's great. And it's highly liquid. That's the other key point. You have access to your money. Here's another major mistake I see financially people make. They get into a bind, a financial bind for whatever reason. And because most of their monies are tied up into investments that have significant penalty or tax penalties, if they access it, they when they need the money because of a uh, income loss or a medical situation or whatever, they take a severe hit at the worst time financially. Here, having 60 to 90% of your li- money liquid day one and 100% liquid within a few years, it prevents that hit and the penalties and the taxes and all that that you get hit with during that financial challenge, that financially challenging time you may have. And then the next step is how do you access the money? Well, I'm going to share with you in the next segment because we're coming up on a hard break, but it's really quite simple. So I'm going to encourage you to stay tuned and not miss it. Stay tuned for more common sense from Ferrans. For more information, contact Ferrans at 866-268-4422 or yourpersonalbank.com. That's 866-268-4422. Welcome back to the Your Personal Bank Show with Ferrans Toth. Want more information? Contact Ferrans at 866 866- 268-4422 or yourpersonalbank.com. That's 866-268-4422. Now back to the show with Ferentz Toth. Welcome back to the Your Personal Bank Show. This is Ferentz. And at the end of the last segment, I was starting to share what the Your Personal Bank concept is. I, I Sometimes I get off track and I'm focused on everything that's going on and I share all this macroeconomic things and help people try to educate them and help them make better financial decisions. And sometimes I forgot to forget to share, what is your personal bank? How does it really work? Well, like I said in the first segment, or the previous segment, we were just, you, you put money into a policy to earn dividends. We want to maximize cash growth, not minimize it. It's the opposite of how most people use life insurance. It's totally the difference of what most people are familiar with. This is what institutional investors, banks, and et cetera use commonly and have for decades and decades. We want to grow our money, and for example, a 6% tax-free return is equivalent to an 8% uh, before-tax return on a typical investment for the average American. If you're in a 25% tax bracket, you got to make 8% to get 6% after tax, don't you? So 6% tax-free is pretty darn good, especially when you consider it has guarantees All right, on top of it so you don't have to worry about it. Also, when you realize it's highly liquid, 60 to 90% liquid day one, 
any emergencies or opportunities that present themselves, you can take advantage of. You don't get hurt when you have an emergency where you have to pay penalties or taxes or whatever to get to your money. You can just get to your money. Also, if opportunities present themselves, and here's the thing, if we do go into a hard recession, like Warren Buffett seems to think is going to happen based on his actions, and many, many other economists are predicting, well, if that does happen, opportunities are present, going to present yourself. If your money is accessible and liquid, you can pull the trigger and take advantage of those opportunities, which, by the way, folks, that's when real wealth is typically built. That's when you see the opportunities. You're not buying at the top. You're buying at a low point, and you're getting the benefit of that. But the second step of it is you can access the funds. And this is where it gets really powerful and really interesting. Typically, you access it through a bank line of credit. We use the cash and the policies collateral, collateral for the loan. And in most cases, and it has for the last, well, 43 years, you earn more in dividends and you get charged in interest. You get to keep the difference. The historical average is 2 to 3%. We're a little less than that right now because of the aggressive increase of interest rates with the Federal Reserve, but it's already starting to settle itself out. Let's just say you even made 1% positive arbitrage, again, on money you spent. Remember, when you access the funds, typically, again, through a bank line of credit, if, if you, you put the money in the insurance policy to earn dividends, and then you access the funds through the bank line, where are you getting the money from, the insurance company or the bank? The answer is the bank. Therefore, the money's still in the insurance company, still earning full dividends, isn't it? You can also do it directly with an insurance company. I can show you how to do that, too. But my point is you're still earning dividends on the gross cash, the gross amount of money you have there. You can borrow a portion of that, again, 60 to 90% day one. So you have high liquidity, 100% liquidity within a few years. You'll get charge interest, yes. But, again, the interest is less than the dividends you're earning. You're getting, earning more than you're getting charged. You're keeping the difference. The best analogy I could give you, I share this all the time with folks, real estate investors understand this. Let's assume for a minute that you bought a real a property, a real piece of real estate, long-term buy and hold, and you want to rent it out. Let's say you got a mortgage against that property, and again, you rented it out. As long as your mortgage and expenses were less than the rent you charged, in other words, you're earning more in rents than you are expenses, you get to keep the difference, right? Or known as positive cash flow. Obviously, people have built wealth for centuries that way. It's probably one of the most common ways to build wealth is through positive cash flow. We're doing the same thing with money. You're earning dividends on the money. You're using that money as collateral just like you would with a property, with real estate. When you borrow against it, the equity in the property is the collateral, right? You borrow against it, you're more in dividends, and you get charged in interest. You keep the difference, which is positive cash flow. You can do that on money. The beauty is real estate investing isn't for everyone. You don't have to fix any toilets. You don't have to deal with any renters or any of those kinds of things. And many folks, that appeals to them. You start to understand why many institutional investors love this because they can earn interest on money you spent. And here's the kicker. Here's the key. If you get this, you understand the whole point, the whole idea I'm trying to share on this and every show just about I ever do. And that is that positive cash flow, that positive arbitrage, the difference of what you keep, earn what you get paid in dividends minus what you get charged in interest. The difference is on money that you have spent. If you understand that key point, you get the whole deal. You get, you complete, you understand how it works. Obviously, if you leave the money in the account, it's going to earn it's going to earn dividends, and it's going to grow, like I said, insured, with guarantees, tax-free. It's just going to grow like any investment out there would grow. The money's just going to grow as you leave it there. The key difference here is the ability to access it and still earn some interest on your money. By doing that, not, it's not just this year. If you access money from it now and you never pay it back, and there's no requirement to do so, by the way, folks, if you never pay it back, the loan is just paid off when you die, by the way, when you pass away. The reality is the interest you earn, the positive cash flow that you earn is each and every year. So you don't just earn it one year. It's every year. It's positive cash flow. Again, just like my analogy of the real estate property where you buy the property, borrow against it, and you earn more in rents than you get, you're paying in expenses and you're keeping the difference or the positive cash flow. The same exact principle. 
that's how your personal bank works. It's really that simple. Some people try to make it more complicated than that. It's not. It's just that simple. Now, I want to get on to a few other key points that will help you understand why your personal bank can be a key asset in your portfolio. Well, America is now paying more in gross interest in its record $33 trillion debt than on national defense. National defense is the third largest, well, now the fourth largest expense in the U.S., you know, everything they spend each year. Well, now the interest on the debt, not the debt, the interest on the debt is now more than we spend on defense. That is concerning because we are moving into, as I've stated many times, a debt spiral, a debt death spiral. The interest is going to continue to increase as the amount of debt increases and as the amount of spending continues to increase. Government keeps spending more than is receiving. Therefore, they keep owing more money each year means they got to pay more and more interest. So the bottom line is the biggest part of the debt, just so you know, the $33 trillion, uh, about $26 trillion of it is owned by the public, all right? Uh, intra-government debt, this is where um, the different departments of the government have borrowed or loaned to each other is about almost $7 trillion of it. But the biggest part and the biggest owners of uh, the public debt uh, about $8 trillion actually, are foreign governments, okay? So there we have a number of foreign governments that own a lot of this debt, and the Federal Reserve holds about 20% of it, just so you know. So it's intergovernment. It's other governments, right? It's the Federal Reserve. These are the entities that, that own the debt and are earning the interest that the federal government is paying. Where, does that, where do those interest payments come from? Well, obviously, from our tax revenues. Last year, from 2022, for example, the federal government brought in $4.4 trillion in revenues. They spent $6.1 trillion spending, which means they spent $1.7 trillion more than they brought in. Oh, they are now spending over a trillion per year just on interest on the debt. You're bringing in $4.4 trillion in revenues, tax revenues, and a trillion of that Almost 25% of that is going to interest payments. Now, think about that a minute. And and here's where it gets really bad. That interest payment, the trillion dollars a year of interest, has now doubled in the last 19 months. 19 months ago, it was only half a trillion. Half a trillion is bad enough. But when you go to a situation where, say, about, I don't know, 10, 12% of your revenues is debt, you can handle that. When it doubles, and you're getting upwards of 25% of your gross revenues is just interest, what does your financial situation start to look like? It starts to get ugly. And by the way, it doesn't slow down. It accelerates. In other words, it's, the government's going to start spending $2 trillion a year on interest pretty soon because it only took them 19 months. Now, part of the reason why it took 19 months certainly was because the interest rates went up significantly from where they were, say, a couple of years ago. That did amplify or increase significantly the amount of interest. As we stated earlier, though, the Federal Reserve has stated they, they're likely to reduce interest rates by about three-quarters of a point by the end of about a year from now, the end of 2024. Now, that will help the overall interest payments to a degree, but those rates the Federal Reserve is talking about are still significantly higher than they were two years ago, like double-triple, Okay. So the amount of interest of the federal government is still going to be quite significant. And on top of all that, the amount of total debt will be higher next year because the government is on track to spend $2 trillion more this year, 2023, fiscal year 2023, that is, than they bring in. So instead of having $33 trillion in debt overall, we'll have $35 trillion in debt overall. So you see what I'm trying to say is the total amount of debt keeps increasing, Therefore, the total amount of interest is going to increase. And even if the r- interest rate goes down a little bit, it's not going to have a huge effect because we're not going, like I said, there's no scenario on the horizon showing we're going back to 3% 30-year fixed mortgage interest rates again, those super low interest rates. It's just not feasible and not on the, anywhere in the near future. As I stated earlier, Vanguard's even saying, next 5 to 10 years, we're going to see higher interest rates than we saw over the last 10 years, that means the federal government's going to have to pay a whole lot more in interest. What are they going to do? 
Well, they're going to be under a lot of pressure to either spend less or raise revenues, aren't they? One of the ways to raise revenues, as I stated in the last segment, was to raise taxes. Again, I don't think that's necessarily a great idea. Raising taxes typically negatively impacts economic production, but there will be a lot of political pressure to do so, which means you've got to protect yourself. This is coming sooner than most people realize. Unless you're a math person or really pay attention to that, this or somebody like myself that looks at this stuff every week, every day just about, you just don't realize it'll sneak up on you before you realize it. And then you've got a problem, and you're going to be faced with having to pay likely much higher taxes, say, on your retirement accounts or any income you earn or anything you have like that. The time to plan to create a tax-free bucket of money is now. The time to create that so that you are insulated from those future tax hikes that are likely to happen. Your personal bank, as I've stated a million times, is income tax-free. I can share with you the reasons why behind it. You can contact me at yourpersonalbank.com or email me at info at yourpersonalbank.com. be happy to share with you the reasons why. There's several, but the bottom line is it's income tax-free. You create a tax-free bucket of money by setting these up. You insulate yourself from future tax increases. Again, more likely than that, not going to happen as the federal government will be under increased pressure to raise revenues to just pay the interest on the debt. That they have to pay, folks. They have to pay the interest on the debt. Or then you start talking about things like defaults where things get really ugly economically, okay? And we've discussed some of those things also in previous shows. I won't go down that path today. But I do want to encourage you to stay tuned. In the last segment here, I've got some more really interesting information, particularly dealing with China, that I've not seen a lot of press about, a lot of attention, but is very concerning, at least from an economic standpoint. So I'm really going to say, encourage you to stay tuned. Stay tuned for more Common Sense from Ferens. For more information, contact Ferens at 866-268-4422 or yourpersonalbank.com. That's 866-268-4422. Welcome back to the Your Personal Bank Show with Ferenc Toth. Want more information? Contact Ferenc at 866-268-4422 or yourpersonalbank.com. That's 866-268-4422. Now back to the show with Ferenc Toth. Welcome back to the Your Personal Bank Show. This is Ferenc. Before I get to China, one last thing I need to share. I find this very interesting. It's no secret California has spent far more money than they need to. But because so many of the wealthy taxpayers have now fled California because they just keep ta- they have some of the highest taxes in the country, the deficit that was predicted for California this year has increased fivefold. California for this year, 2020, uh, 2023, fiscal year 2023, is projected now to be $68 billion, which is five times higher than they originally forecast. In other words, they heavily discounted the impact that wealthy Californians leaving their state would have by having some of the highest tax rates in the country. Due to this, they've, uh, the governor, Newsom, has ordered a spending freeze. Uh, they're cutting back on spending on, on all types of things, um, obviously government services and everything else. We'll see how effective they are in doing this, but I find it interesting that they were they are in a in a spending freeze now because well they spent too much money and didn't uh, manage it correctly don't have a rainy day fund which would just be wise but you know that that's that's wise fiscal responsibility that seems to be lacking uh, particularly in the public arena with many of our government entities now let's get get on to china why should we care about china well one simple reason They're the second largest economy in the world. They have been, for the last several decades, some of the strongest economic growth we've seen in the world. And in many ways, and through many time periods, they have buoyed the economies of the world, the economic situation of the world. Well, China is in trouble. Their banking system, as it states in this article, is in free fall. The country's real estate losses could hit $4 trillion many 
uh, veteran investors are now saying. What happened was China went crazy on overbuilding real estate. So they have this huge real estate crisis, much like we had in 08, 09, except this one's even bigger from a scale standpoint, uh, number standpoint, however you want to count it. This one looks bigger than even what we saw here in the United States through the 08, 09, the Great Recession. And a lot of people, there, apparently, there's China has built enough empty homes in China to house three billion people, empty houses. I mean, we had a, a housing boom here in the United States, 0809, where we had a lot of extra housing, but nowhere near that. And I understand there's a lot more population in China than the United States, but even if you look at it at a per capita basis, it's still far, far larger numbers-wise than what we dealt with in, uh, in 0809. This can be very concerning. To give you an idea, it also put it back into perspective, during the Great Recession, during 0809, U.S. banks lost about $700 billion in total. The predictions for China are at least $4 trillion in real estate losses. That would be five, six times more. I mean, it would be significant, almost seven times more, actually. Yeah, not quite, but five, six times more bigger than what we saw in the Great Recession in 0809. If it gets anywhere close to that, having China go into a Great Recession of its own due, due to overbuilding real estate, much like we saw in the Great Recession, will have significant economic damage to the world economy. It will affect many companies that, you know, some of many of these are the favorites in the stock market. You take like an Apple, great example. Uh, much of their business, and they're not the only ones by any stretch, a majority of the business, their business, comes from China. If China goes into a great recession, deflationary cycle, as they're talking about, uh, with some, a financial collapse, that, that is going to impact the, many of these companies that are, yes, based in the U.S., but do a majority of their business outside of the U.S. It's going to have a significant impact. So that's why you should pay attention and I would say be very cautious with any company that does a lot of business in China. Uh, here's another article. China economy on brink of vicious loop threatening Beijing with financial collapse. Again, the same type of thing going on. Much of the same problems that we saw in the Great Recession. Now, they have a deflationary problem. Now, in some respects, that can be good for the U.S. because we've been dealing with inflation higher interest rates with the Federal Reserve, but as I've stated before, thanks to our government spending and them having to buy bonds or sell bonds, I should say, and pay higher interest rates on those bonds to sell this bulk of bonds, this excess of bonds that the federal government keeps having to sell because they're spending so much, that's going to keep bond or interest rates pushed higher, at least interest rates on bonds, I should say, pushed higher, or even if the Federal Reserve does reduce interest rates, okay? But it will help in, in some, uh, some degree and maybe in a significant degree regarding inflation. For example, a simple, a simple one would be much of this oil demand, worldwide oil demand, has been from China growing so much. Well, if they go, if they stop growing and, in fact, go backwards, we're already seeing some of that, some reduction in oil demand. Middle East, Saudi Arabia has cut um, recently a, a, million dollar, a million barrels a day, I believe, in production. Yet the prices of oil have still gone down. These are the, and it's again because of China's economy slowing down and going into a deflationary trend. So I've got many more articles on this type of thing. It could go on and on. If, again, if you want more information on it, contact me at yourpersonalbank.com or email me at info at yourpersonalbank.com. Be happy to share with you some more information or send you some of the articles, that type of thing. But I do believe, as I stated at the beginning, first segment of this show, the fact that the, our Federal Reserve has stated that they intend to reduce interest rates by three-quarters of a point by the end of 2024 is, in general, good news from an inflationary standpoint. And that is the primary reason why they're stating that they intend to do that, because they believe the worst of the inflation is over and it's going to continue to go down. China slowing down contributes to that, certainly. The prices, they've gone up so much so fast over the last couple, three years. Obviously, as prices continue to rise too fast, fewer and fewer people can afford those prices, so demand drops. 
I discussed, like I said, the American dream is is very much under threat because today a family of four takes 130000 income annually to maintain what the average typical American dream is today, and the average household is about 75000 So they're far, far behind that, that number. All those things contribute to inflation slowing down. That's probably the case. We're not out of the woods yet. Don't allow the Federal Reserve good news, and it is good news, to make you think that, oh, my gosh, it's over. We're going to just keep cook along and things will be go- great again. No, we've got far t- uh, we have far too much federal debt, state debt, things like that. They have to sell their bonds. There's going to be a glut of bond selling until the federal government starts reducing spending. Who knows if that will ever happen. Therefore, this glut of bonds that they have to sell will force them to have to pay higher interests on bonds, which will force interest rates higher on bonds for far longer than most people think. Again, Vanguard stated recently they believe the next five to ten years at least. I guess what I'm trying to say, and I stated this at the very end of the show last week, fiscal lack of responsibility of our federal government by overspending certainly creates a problem, but also at the same time creates an opportunity. Here's where you and I, individuals, can take advantage of the federal government's lack of financial responsibility. And this is it. They are, as they continue to spend, they have to sell bonds to, uh, for that excess spending. They also have to sell bonds when the debt rolls over on the existing debt. Again, the debt is increasing. The amount of bond sales will be increasing along with it. That will force the federal government to increase the interest rate that they pay on those bonds to have people, bond buyers, to continue to buy them. Now, most average Americans don't have the financial resources to get really involved in the bond market. I mean, it's really a market for institutional investors. Oftentimes, many of these, you know, an individual bond offering, you need at least $100,000 liquid to even be, you know, even consider it. But that's where your personal bank and dividends can really come into play. These insurance companies are some, some of the biggest bond buyers out there, and they also offer the insured and guaranteed aspect. You can take advantage of their increasing profits on these increasing re- interest rates on the bonds that they're buying. The federal government, again, pay more interest, so they're going to make more profits. You can take advantage of that opportunity and have an account, an investment, that has an increasing re- likely re- rate of return for the next 5 to 10 years. And that's not me just saying that. That's Vanguard saying that. That's many of the insurance company CEOs saying that. It's just what's going on. How do you know when this is going to stop? Well, when our federal government stops spending more than it makes. Now, that's pretty laughable if you think about it, because we know the current political situation. There is just almost no political will by either party, for that matter, any majorities by any stretch, to reduce spending. Therefore, the spending will continue. The amount of debt will continue. The interest rates will continue to be high, likely higher on bonds, dividends will continue to stay high and likely continue to increase until at some point we finally get to the point where I believe we'll get to an austerity measure where the bond buyers, no matter what the interest rate is, are just not willing to their bulk. They're just not going to buy. And then the federal government at that point will finally be forced to live within its means. I believe personally, my opinion, I get asked this all the time, I do not believe there's enough political will for politicians to cut back the spending that needs to happen. Understand, they're spending about 30% more per year as we speak than they earn, than they receive, and that is increasing. For them to balance the budget, all spending across the board would have to cut by about 30%. That is, frankly, political suicide at this point, and... Few, if any, politicians have the political will to make that happen. So it's going to be the bond buyers that will ultimately force the issue. I believe we're still a number of years away from that because as bad as our debt is, and it's about the same as our GDP, the government isn't broke. I mean, it did bring in $4.4 trillion in tax revenues last year, so it's not like it's going to go to zero. So when you get the doomsdayers and say, oh, everything's going to fall apart, well, 
things can get ugly and more economic chaos. I agree with that, but I don't believe it's going to go to total chaos because the government still makes money and made $4.4 trillion last year in tax revenues. So if they get forced into austerity measures like Greece was, well, there's a lot of things they can do even before that. I mean, they can sell oil leases, for example. The federal government can make a lot of money selling so selling drilling rights. I mean, there's many other options they have, assets they have that they could bring in some money. Again, they could raise revenues a number of ways by increasing taxes, increasing fees. They can do a, increasing tariffs. Again, those you can argue that they can be detrimental in the long run, but you, you see what I'm trying to say. They have a lot of different things they can do to try to continue to raise revenue, which is what I believe they're going to do because they don't want to cut back spending, do they? Because that will cut their power. Again, you can take advantage of that opportunity, their, their desire to maintain control of this power and keep getting increasing returns until they finally are forced to live within their means. And at that point, when that finally happens, you have a nice tax-free account that's got a bunch of money in it, insured, guaranteed, tax-free, be in a pretty decent situation, and the dollar would then be worth more, wouldn't it, if the government stopped spending more than it made? So ultimately, in the long run, it would be good news. As always, I'm going to encourage you to stay tuned. Next week, your personal bank show, I'm going to have, a, a, I believe, a really nice Christmas message for next week. And then uh, I'm going to share my New Year's message, goal-setting message the week after that. It's been one of the most popular shows I've done um, for years now. And as long as it's on our money, in God we trust. Listen Tuesdays at noon and Saturdays at 1 to the Your Personal Bank Show for more information. Contact Ferris at 866-268-4422 or yourpersonalbank.com. That's 866-268-4422. This show is designed to provide accurate and authoritative information. The presenter and guests of this program do not engage in legal, accounting, or tax advice. Professional advice regarding your situation should be sought if required. Some products discussed may have limitations and not be available in all states. Excessive unpaid loans may affect performance. Distributions may become taxable if not managed properly. Replacements may not be suitable for everyone. There may be charges when replacing coverage. Dividend rates and bank line of credit rates may change. For current rates, contact Ferentz at 866-268-4422 or yourpersonalbank.com. Again, that's 866-268-4422 or yourpersonalbank.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.